Hey everyone, it's Tom Crowds, and on this episode, we have rock star coach John Paul Gulbis sharing some stories with us. And wait till you hear some of his story. I mean, at this point, Together, we've done over a billion dollars in investment real estate here with uh, different real estate investors over the years, and we've seen everything. It's and it's why when people come up to us and they say, "Oh my gosh, I have this real estate problem," we kind of, you know, nothing is really even a problem anymore. It doesn't even really surprise us or shock us. And you'll understand a little of that when you hear John Paul or JP tell his story of one of his first investment properties uh, really early on in the podcast. So we talk about real estate upfront in this podcast, and we talk about some of the latest investing stuff he's working. Working with with investors here at Rockstar towards the end of the podcast and in the middle we talk about some of his modeling background some horseback riding even some P90X if that means anything to you um, bulletproof coffee and some coffee strategies so in the middle we kind of go all over the place so we begin with some real estate stuff and end some real, real with some real estate stuff John Paul's a great guy and you'll get to know him on this episode and before we get into it if you're listening to this and you want some information about property prices versus versus income levels it's data that we've put together over the year that absolutely shocks us. We call it the destruction of the middle class in how incomes, which you use and are necessary to buy property, are not increasing as fast as asset prices like real estate. And we mapped out the Stats Canada data on income levels here in Canada and map them against Toronto real estate prices here in Canada. And it's not a perfectly fair comparison because it is Canadian incomes against Toronto prices. So there is a little bit of a skewed difference there because the Toronto real estate prices are definitely not representative of the Canadian average. Um, but it does give us or, or give us a little insight into really what's happening between income levels and property prices. If you want that, you can go to, uh, if you want that report, sorry, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash no more middle.com. So rocks starinnercircle.com forward slash no more middle. And in that report, we also have maps of the uh, Golden Horseshoe and the Green Belt and how the density is filling up within the Golden Horseshoe and we how we use that as a little bit of a treasure treasure map when we're looking to buy properties. I can't even speak this morning. Um, so there you go. So rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash no more middle. And with that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Good level. You, it's a it's a perfect level. So cool. Nick's going to walk in. I'm going to leave that mic live. We are live. Uh, J- John Paul Gulbis, known within Rockstar as JPG, because we have multiple John Pauls in here that all get short form down to JP, and then you somehow inherited JPG based on your last name, and now we just call you JPG. It, it, it's <laughs> and you funny. seem to you don't mind it. I don't mind it, and it's funny. Some some uh, some of the investors, when when they'll be like messaging me, they'll actually say, "Hey, JPG." No you know? way. Yeah, and it's like, well, I just kind of have a chuckle. JPG. But yeah. <laughs> um, so we were just just before we pressed record here, went live. Uh, we were just talking about when JP met us, and he was going to come and work with us and make some quick and easy money in real estate in about for what, like eighteen months, maybe. I asked how long was the minimum that I could, or what was the minimum time frame that I could work. Uh, thinking that I would come in, swoop in, make a hundred grand and bounce. And uh, yeah, that didn't happen. What did uh, we say? Uh, I think we, you said 18 months. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's funny knowing how young, like 10 years ago, I can't just see myself sitting there seriously saying, you must make a 10 month commitment to <laughs> or sorry, 18 month commitment to us, John Paul. Yeah. But, and, uh, then, and then I think, um, yeah, I had grossly underestimated how long it would take to actually make money. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So yeah. Okay. So if, if you're not familiar with JPG or John Paul Gulba sitting here, he's now, we've worked together here at Rockstar for over 10 years. He's one of the, you know, the best Rockstar coaches here at Rockstar. Um, and I just mean that because he's done so much, been through so much. Um, well, we think over, we're, we're going to, next time we should have the accurate number, but we think over a hundred million dollars of investment real estate yeah. that you directly have worked with real estate investors on Correct. Um, since you've been here. And what makes that interesting to me is these aren't like $2 million properties. These are all, you know, little income properties and they've all added up to over a hundred million dollars, which is ridiculous that you've worked on that much real estate at this point. But I'll never forget that the day you started with us, we had done a training class, like an introductory class here at Rockstar for new investors. And you came to the class and at the end of the class, you must have passed us a note or someone left a note 
Do you remember this? It, it's the sign up form. And on, I think it was different back then. Uh, cause on the back, it was, I believe it was blank. And so I just wrote this big thing. I was like, I know what you guys are doing, like investing. I love your marketing and I hate my broker where I'm at. And, uh, please let me, you know, let me join or let me talk to you guys or whatever. And, uh, yeah, you, you, you were generous enough to let me sit down and I, well, and I remember taking the note. I think we were just desperate. Like, <laughs> I don't want to just say, I think we were just desperate at that point, but what we put you through, we took the note. I remember getting that note and going to Nick and saying, look what this guy wrote. And it was like, just what you said, you know, I know what you guys are. I know your style of marketing. I kind of like it. And I want to work with you guys. And I remember you came in and uh, Nick's walking in here. So we'll let him grab the mic and you walked in and uh, you, we, you and I sat, uh, uh, sat down together and you told me a couple things that were like baffling my brain. First of all, you were saying like you train horses or you train people or you work with horseback riders to jump over these obstacles. What's it called? Show jumping. Show jumping. Thank you. You, you did it yourself and you trained people. Yeah. I mean, uh, not professionally, but, but, uh, it's been something I've been, been doing pretty much my whole life. Yeah. Starting when I was a when I was 10, so it'll be 30 years coming up on my next birthday. So I had never, I've never yeah. met anyone who d did that. And then you said, yeah, I'm also doing a, you know, a little bit of modeling, um, jobs on the side. I think you were trying to earn some money. And I were, was just trying to make, I was, yeah, I was some, trying to make quick yeah, cash. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were it. hustling, you were hustling. And then, uh, I went back to talk to Nick and I'm like, Nick, I don't know. This guy seems like a pretty good guy, except I don't know what to make of this. He's a model. Yeah, I got like, <laughs> except he's for. modeling and he's like a trains horses or something that I don't quite understand. But I don't know. He doesn't scare me off. My gut feeling is that he's good. And Nick, Nick looked at me and I think we just looked at each other. We're like, I guess. Yeah, let's let's. Ha I remember you. You. I think I came over to meet you after. And I remember. I don't know if this was the first time or the second time. I forget. But I do remember the first time I met you because I was at our old office in one of those little kind of meeting yep. cubby things. And um I don't know. I, I think sometimes you can just get a sense of a person and it sometimes it's wrong first impressions. But I just kind of at that time, we're just like, like today, we're just kind of looking for good people to work with. If someone's a good person and you just, I was like, yeah, man, it seems like a really kind of like a good guy, cool guy. You're like, yeah. I'll, I remember that meeting uh, distinctly and I don't, I don't know why, but I actually remember exactly what I was wearing. Do you? I, yeah. It's so odd because you're a model. You That's why. A modeling job. <laughs> I think it was like one of my best, like, like dress Outfits? shirts i was trying to like really <laughs> god you didn't have to yeah we don't know I yeah know. It's, you, we are the wrong guys that do impress with that kind of stuff and then uh, and then we didn't you didn't work with investors right away because we forced you to become an investor yourself we're like hey jp you got to go buy a property yourself and in the meantime we want you for any investors we're working with that have vacant properties we want you to find tenants for them and i mean there'll be a fee of course yeah. and stuff and you did that for like a year and a half and i mean there's little, very little money in that and we didn't even realize how little money maybe you would make for that first year like i don't even know how you survived yeah i mean i had uh so b before I had done like a couple like little flips with uh, with a, like a, f a friend of mine and and didn't really make any money at all. And then the deal was, uh, but we were like we had gone to like the rich dad poor dad thing. And we we're like, oh, we're doing this, you know. And uh, then yeah, one of the prerequisites is well, you gotta actually still own property. So I had to go do that, and it was during that. It was good that you, you were looking to try to make ends meet and then to be able to do it, we're like, here, go spend all this money and buy a property. That was nice. Yeah. Nice. At that point, it wasn't, that part wasn't as difficult at that time. Um, but, uh, yeah, properties but, were less expensive, but, but payments the were The question less. was, okay, so how long until I make money? And you guys, oh, about two months. I was like, okay, I can do that. Eight months later, I was like, oh, I know. Man. Yeah. We didn't even really know what we were talking about at that time. I think two months. Is I that what we said? You, you said that. I, I just, did I really say it. two months you would start making money? I asked this episode, so about two months. You're like, yeah, yeah, about oh two months. Oh my God. You know what we tell people now, like 18 months in this <laughs> business? Two months. Okay. So maybe we learned from you. So, but you know what the good news in all of this is though, you have been such a great asset to real estate investors because of all the stuff that you went through. You know, you bought a property, didn't know what you were doing. You, you know, you had those flips before that. Then you, uh, we forced you to find tenants for vacant properties. You had to go run advertisements, deal with tenants. So by the time you started working with investors, you had like all this experience. So it kind of worked out. Yeah. That, that first, uh, that first rent to own property. Yeah. Went through a few, uh, like three different, like sort of major, major problems. Is the, the first rent to own property where you had that suicide situation? Correct. Okay. So it, yeah, if you're listening to this, this is, this is when everyone tells us when people come up to us and they're like, you know what? I got a big problem with my property. I, I'm going through a little bit of a mess 
and we're like, you know what? I don't know. What's your problem? Try <laughs> us. Because I think at this point we've seen houses burn down. We've seen suicides in properties. But yeah, why don't you describe what you went through on this property? Yeah. So so uh, it actually started before we even took possession uh, where the financing, uh, what had happened, the my, my friend that we were, uh, we bought the house together, he had had uh, a little issue with the CRA and some of the down payment money got frozen in account right before closing. Yeah, <laughs> so we had to scramble to come up with the down payment. And then the insurance, uh, the guy that was gonna do the insurance, um, he, he just vanished basically. And uh, we said, hey, we're, we're, you know, do we have the policy? Like we've got the closing coming up. And he's like, oh yeah, we're not giving the policy because we think that there's asbestos siding uh, on the side of the house. And he didn't even tell us. He was like, yeah, I'm off fishing. So then we were scrambling, trying to like in the last like two days, trying to find another insurance uh, company to give us a policy to close. And then it, and then it closed, I think a week late or something like that, but it all kind of worked out. And Mike was my coach at the time. Uh, yeah. And then a week in, uh, we went out to the property to start showing it. And, uh, yeah, we had like four families. This is in Kitchener, right? Uh, Waterloo. Waterloo. Yep. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, we get there, we, we open the front door, go is in. Is this the first time you're showing it? Uh, it uh, pretty much, I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we may have showed it the weekend before, but we'd only had it for like a week. And then we, uh, we went in and the place was just like, burning hot inside and I was like I told my friend I'm like man didn't you like did you not turn the furnace down because this was like early April so it's still pretty cold and he's like no I totally did I absolutely did and he's like well it's boiling hot in here and then like all within like probably 30 seconds I noticed that the the door going into the garage was kind of open and then the framing was kind of broken a little bit and so I looked inside and then there was like some insulation from the ceiling that had come down and it was the back window of the garage door was broken and so this is all happening very quickly and then I'm like oh man we got broken into and so literally the weekend before uh, the home, the home came with a, uh, home theater system. And so we had just bought like a, uh, a ceiling mounted movie projector. So we're like, Oh damn it. We just spent 700 bucks on this thing. And it's the only thing of value. So I ran downstairs just to make sure it was there. And I didn't even turn the lights on. I could see the red light. It was still flashing on the ceiling. I'm like, okay, perfect. So I turned to go into the laundry room and there's a guy on his hands and knees and he's crawling underneath the stairs. So I immediately was like, oh my God. I Were ran you just up. petrified at that point? I just kind of like ran. I was like, oh my God, I don't know what's going yeah. on. So ran upstairs, closed the door. I'm like, hey Mike, you know, we've been broken into and the dude is still in the house. <laughs> yeah. well, did you have tenants looking through the house? You were there to show the property. We were there to show the property. So they were a little bit early just to turn the lights on or whatever. And then, so we phoned the police and um, uh, we barricade the door. Uh, Mike goes out and he, he, he phones the police. Anyway, it took about 20 minutes for the, for the cops to actually show up between that time, like four families roll up. And we, of course we had to tell them like, I've yeah. I, someone in the basement. Yeah. We, we can't let you in, you know, but uh, they're going through the rest of the you house. No, but what'd you tell them? You said that someone broke into the house and they're in the basement. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. And he that, did. they didn't turn around and leave. They still uh, look through the house. Uh, well, what happened was, is that they were like, well, can we look at the backyard? So Mike actually came in and got the, like, we had these little feature sheets. And so they went around to the back, they checked with the yard. And then we, we kind of had to send all of them away, except for one guy. He stayed and he, he left his family in, in his van out on the road. He came, he's like, do you, do you mind if I just look at the main level? I guess, I guess so. Yeah, sure. And um, did you tell this guy there was somebody in the basement? Oh yeah. He knew. Okay. He knew. Yeah. Shows the man for properties, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, and, and actually before people started showing up, I forgot this part. We heard some shuffling in the basement and we thought, oh man, here he comes. So we're both standing at the door, like barricading oh, the ba <laughs> basement door. And, but uh, when you say you barricaded it, what did you barricade it with? In the garage, there was like, you know, those old, like a kind of frame, like things like for sawhorse almost yeah, yeah. like, yeah. yeah. So there was an old one of those that the previous owner had just left there. So we just used that to Jammed jam up against the door. The door. And you know, there's two of us and we're pretty big guys. Like, I don't know, but you never know what's going to happen. But, um, anyway, so the, the police finally arrive after pretty much sending everyone home and, uh, you know, Waterloo regional P police, he's, you know, he, he, he's 
saying come out or whatever there's silence so he goes down the stairs he flips on the light and he's like oh shit he's hanging like i remember oh those god. distinct words and then yeah he cut him down uh he was, oh my god the cop just went there and cut the guy down yeah he had he so that shuffling was him yeah he had found a bungee in a in like a drawer in the laundry room and yeah he had just attached it to one of the floor joists in the ceiling and uh yeah. So he knew how to make one of those things that would like. So, so yeah, I mean the basically what yeah. Like I guess I'm talking about a noose, but pretty, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much that's what it was. And then, um, uh, you know, within five minutes it was CSI, like there was fire trucks, ambulance, like cops. It was crazy. And uh, was yeah. he dead? Oh yeah, yeah, he was dead. And um, were you freaked out? Yeah, we were like, what? Like it's all happening. I remember so fast, you know, and. Uh, and then, but when they got there, they, they, you know, within not very long, they're like, look, we know who this guy is. He, we actually picked him up squatting at another vacant house, one exit down the highway. So they knew who he was probably, I think, you know, he had some mental health issues, okay. of course. And, uh, and then we got a call about a week or two later and the detective on the case was like, yeah, we were looking through the file. We were comparing notes to the other house that he had broken into and he had damaged our furnace. And so what he was, ac- he was actually trying to kill himself oh, by taking the exhaust off of the furnace and just letting it pump into the basement. Oh and my he w- gosh. Yeah. But that would have taken him like a week and be like, so, and then I guess we rolled up, locked him in the basement and I felt bad after, but what are you going to do? You know, you don't know. Yeah. That time you know. you're just reacting. You're trying your own safety too. You, well, that's you don't just know, right? like, yeah. I didn't know if he had a well, knife you have or people walking around knows. the house at the same time that you don't know there to look at the property. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of variables. Totally. So anyway, I kind of like, uh, you know, had a little bit of a, you know, I had to think about it quite a bit, mm-hmm. to, but anyway, yeah, it's hard know. to process. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And but then I, you so. went in, and then you went and told other investors and investing was a great idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then when you went to rent that property out, you have to disclose that that happened at that property. How yeah. was that like? Te- technically, it wasn't a crime. We hmm. called the lawyer and he said, technically, you don't have to, but I would strongly advise yeah. you to do that. So that's what we did. Um, and it just so happened that the uh, the tenants that we put in there, he worked at a meat processing plant, wasn't squeam- squeamish about those things. And then she worked in an old folks home and saw people pass away all the time. So they just didn't care. So... Yeah, and it worked out. Yeah, I know someone that, that there was a death in the house. I don't know. I don't remember it being a, like, I don't think it was a crime. Yeah. I think it was natural causes or something. And, and, and it caused the house to sit a little bit because some people didn't want it. And um, he ended up getting it with his uh, with his girlfriend at the time. And, you know, he but didn't face him at all. They put, like, some sort of doll up in the garage or something to represent the ghost in the house. Like, he just took it to even, like, another level. Oh, wow. So some people don't, that stuff doesn't bother them at all. No. I'm sure others, they're not yeah. a big fan of it, right? So when you when investors come to you now with a problem that you you don't break out that story right away probably just petrify them. Uh actually sometimes I do depending on on their personality. I'm just like look uh, I think we've and not only that but after all these years it's like come on what's the problem we can get through yeah, this yeah, you know you've it's seen like, everything at yeah, this point. Yeah. Okay, I want to back up a second. The whole modeling thing. How does that in a business work? You just their jobs are advertised. You go and say, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll apply. You walk in, people just stare at you and see if you're a good fit. Because Depen- you ended up being on one of those Bell Simpatico billboards in British Columbia, no? Yeah. Didn't, like, didn't like people the, we know like saw your big face on the... I still not have that, that you picture have a, saved Not somewhere. that you have a big <laughs> face, but uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. So I, I actually, I tried it a couple times with a couple different agencies and the first two were not good. And then I went to like a really good one and then I started getting... Why, why, why was it really good? Because they actually had the contacts that were calling them to actually do business. They had real business. Yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. And and so uh, basically you, you... You go there, people take your picture. Yeah, well, you have to go out on your own and get like a portfolio made. And then, um, uh, so I did that. And then you basically just give it to them and you have to get these little comp cards put together. Uh, and then basically they, they, when companies call them um, for the type of sort of model that they're looking for, then they'll say, okay, we'll check these people out and then they'll send you on auditions. And, uh, if you get picked from the audition, then you get the gig, but it's a lot of go audition and don't get the gig. So it's a lot of running around. And then they also want you to show up with basically like what they want you to wear. And if you don't own it, 
like I had to go buy it. So it was really annoying because they would take so much time to like go buy it, go to the audition, which was always in Toronto and I live in St. Catharines and then drive. And if you don't get it, well, regardless, I'm going to return the stuff anyway. So that it's like, so you this left big, all the tags on. You just absolutely. tuck the tags in, yeah, into yeah, the shirt. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because otherwise, I mean, it's just yeah, you a go waste. broke. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. You're yeah. hustling. So then, and then the horseback stuff, like you were, how did, how did you get involved in that at such an early age? I just loved it. I don't know. But like uh, what? Your family owned horses? No. Uh, I don't know why, to be honest, but I saw the movie, the black stallion, I think when I was like three years old and I was just like mesmerized by horses. And then, um, yeah, that, that was pretty much it. And then, you know, they are majestic creatures. Like I remember when our, on our grandfather in Croatia, there had a white horse. Yeah. And I remember when that horse would walk up next to you, I don't know if it's just like the, the size of the muscles on this animal, yeah. just, and the way it moves, it's just very kind of like proper, and uh, not intimidating, but you kind of respect the animal, like a, a lot different than like a cow or a pig for some reason. I know yeah. this sounds ridiculous, no, 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 but just when a horse approaches you, there's something about the energy. I know that sounds crazy. No, but no, no, there's something about the energy of the horse, the way it carries itself. Well, you're, you're talking just, to a horse guy, so he's no, gonna I know, agree with I know, you. I know, he's gonna agree with you. No, but, but I'm gonna agree with you. But not, and it's a white horse. This was a beautiful <laughs> horse, like a unicorn. Pure, oh man, it was just a beautiful horse. No, but I mean, I think it's just through the the, the process of domestication over the last however millennia is this they've become kind of partners in a lot of things and it's only very recently that we haven't used them for first stuff if you mm-hmm. look back so uh, yeah they just have a presence really I think after I'll that, tell you how it starts because it's I started with my daughter recently so she came to me and Diana my wife and she's like I want to do horseback riding and we said Okay, this will cost us. And then she started doing horseback riding. So it starts as simply as that. Yeah, your, your daughter's <laughs> lucky. Yeah. And I'm banking on you to train some horses <laughs> that I can buy for cheap or something. I don't know. I didn't, Tom's waiting for me to buy horses. I'm, I want Nick to buy a horse really badly. Well, uh, I can hook you up, trust me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. no how, much is a, how much does a horse cost for Nick, for his daughter, a good horse? No, we, I, donkey. I'll take a donkey. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> They're different, different. Um, your daughter is what, eight? Hey, but she can't hold on. We're getting way ahead of ourselves here. But yeah, I know, okay. I'm just curious. How much is a good horse? Well, good is is I know relative, yeah, but like relative. I don't know. She's eight. I don't know. She wants a horse. Tell me how much. Eight. Uh, it's probably between five and fifteen for oh, or something okay. like that. It's like a thousand. season of hockey. That's good. A thousand. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, you know, yeah. oh, okay. no, that's yeah, what you yeah. pay for. Like, oh, by the okay. time you put a yeah. boy in hockey with equipment well, and tournaments and stuff like that, rep, some extra ice time, you're, yeah, you're but then the you got it. Well, that's just the horse. Then, then you yeah, got yeah, feed. No, this is why yeah. I want Nick to buy it because <laughs> I wanted to see him buy something that he then has to toss money at regularly. I'm oh. not even going to so feed then, it food. I'm going to get money from the yeah. bank and crumple it up yeah. and make the horse eat the money because it's going to be a better, a better like story than for it to eat the hay. They literally eat money. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, we didn't have money growing up, so I actually got a paper out when I was 10 years old and uh, paid for my own riding lessons. And then uh, pretty much a year to a year and a half after that, I just started working at the stables every weekend from like 7.30 in the morning till 4.30 in the afternoon and was making a little bit more money. And then I would just pay to to be able to ride more horses. That's and, cool. And, and then and when then, do you start, at what age do you start jumping with these horses? Oh, I mean. Right away? Yeah, within the first few months so you're like 10 years old you can jump this horse with this yeah and i think it's easier when you're younger too because your muscle memory is just like any sport you know you're gonna it's you're gonna catch on faster yeah and and then have you ever got tossed from a horse where you run up to something it's like nope i'm not going over and it just throws you over yeah 100 percent. and this is fun this is fun for you it you know lately like it hasn't happened too often uh i've been pretty lucky to be honest but uh occasionally it will happen you know there'll there'll be like just that some just are dirty you know and 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 they'll just get like you think all is good and then they just <laughs> Bail. boom yeah they'll just jump sideways and throw you completely off or they can time it too you know they get smart sometimes but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. great this is what i have to look forward to <laughs> yeah no it's watch funny. Ella I flying w- through <laughs> the air 
And they're, ta- I mean, to get on a horse, I remember when we had that horse over there, it, they're high up, like compared to donkeys, because we had donkeys as well. Yeah. And donkeys are so much shorter. Yeah. And I felt like the donkeys were just such strong things, man. So much smaller than a horse, but they, you could just load those things up with like as many potatoes as you could possibly imagine. And that donkey was going to have no problem with it. Yeah. Um, same with the horse, but it was just harder to load the horse up because it was so high. Donkeys yeah. were just, de- as a work animal, the donkey was just definitely the way to go. Well, and for sure, and and for for the weight that they are, they definitely are more beasts of burden. That's for sure. And and yeah. you're still doing horse stuff now. What what's mm-hmm. the what are you doing? Training? Yeah, I mean we're we're training, but I mean it's it's we try to get some some shows in, but it's the truth is it's. What do you mean you get shows and you participate in the show? Yeah, in okay. the in the summer months, um, like we're not heavy. So into you it. rent a horse or something? Uh, you buy a horse? Do you own horses? You know what? We have been like Amy and I've been and been kind of lucky enough to um, because we started early on. We were, you know, uh, I guess got to a certain level where um, we, we've been able to just have uh, train other people's horses. And it sort of kept us well mounted uh, without actually having to go and and buy our own horses, um, which uh, has been helpful, but it, you know, it's not a perfect situation, but it's, it's, you know, what we can sort of handle at this point. Cause we're, you know, busy with work and everything else. But, um, um, so yeah, currently we, we've got, uh, one that, that we're working with for, for a lady and we've had her for a couple years. And then, uh, we recently picked up another couple from actually the same place that, uh, that, um, where Amy and I met was a breeding farm. So anyway, those are both young prospects. So one's off getting started with a, a kind of a cowboy to give them their first like kind of 90 days because I'm not that interested in that kind of stuff. Like, Yeah, you're pretty unique. Someone who's, uh, we were just, Nick, we were just talking how JP's helped investors with over $100 million. I mean, we'll get the actual number, but we think at this point it's over $100 million yeah. investment property, but he also deals with this horse stuff. Yeah, And uh, that's your real passion, let's face it. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of them. Uh, I'm kind of a person that has, um, I get real deep into just a few things and then I get real bored with everything else. So I like, yeah, same very, here. but it's like everything specific. like yeah. real estate's a it's a means to an end you know what i mean i i don't know like it's it's something that gives you the opportunity to do stuff like oh, 100%. that percent yeah for some of the moves that you made earlier with yeah you know i mean we were talking about dealing with that that suicide that's yeah. one thing but then the other the other moves you've made in real estate give you the, the flexibility to do these types of things uh, absolutely right? and and i would say that yeah i mean sure there's we all have days where the real estate thing is is it's tough and you know it's a bit of a grind sometimes but it is one of those like basically few things that I do like and I do you know in the grand scheme of things it's always going to be something that I'm going to be doing and those vacations you take you know what can you describe that where do you go so you'll go to like Colorado or out west yeah and you'll go out yeah what what is that vacation so I don't know I'm not like I think I've been to the Caribbean once and sat on a beach for seven days and I was like that's great but I like to, like Amy and I both like to get out and, and, uh, just explore. So our vacations are more like, it's more like travel. Like we're not stationary. Like if I've got a certain window of days to go, I'm jam packing that thing. Like you have, every you, day. you've done things where you go and get a horse and then just go climb through some mountains or to different lodges or something uh-huh. like that. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. Who's going to give you a horse? Like, how do they know that you know what the heck you're doing with the horse? Well, they they have like a, they ask you questions before you go, you know, uh, and then some places will just sort so of. So it's like a tour. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the places that I go just be, because I, I ride horses, I, I do explain kind of that I can ride because a lot of people that go to some of these places, they'll have like a different level of like kind of adventure. But I generally, I've been pretty good at picking places and I'll, I'll call around to the different places that I'm interested in. I'll say, look, this is what I want to do. And, uh, okay. Like, make, but map me out some detail here. You're going, to Colo- you're going to Colorado or something, and then you're going into the back country. Correct. Yeah. By, by yourself. Like not with a, it's not like a guided tour. It It's, it's not like a tour with a whole whack of people. Usually the places that I, uh, uh, that I go on, um, I, 
course I'm going to have a guide because I don't know that, you know, so an outfitter, basically they're called outfitters and, and, uh, yeah, they'll take you out and, and take you to the places that, that they can take you and, and kind of the kind of it's tailored to what you want in a way. Um, but to me, it's like the best way to sort of, you know, go actually see a landscape or see an area, uh, get out into it, you know? And, uh, and then I warn all of the guides too, because I ask a million questions on like the area, the landscape, uh, how their business the operates. The most beautiful place you've been, which one? Honestly, if the San Juan mountains in Southwest Colorado is probably the most beautiful Why? place. Um, it's the way that the landscape is set up. Um, in, in Colorado, the low country is kind of dry and more deserty. Um, but when you get up onto these things called mesas, they're extremely lush and green, but they're also at such a high elevation that, um, you're, you're basically right at where like the, the peaks are. So it's like, you're in these lush, like high elevation plateaus, but you're also very close to the tops of the mountains. So it's just, it's just stunning. So you're out there with a horse and what you just set up a tent and campfire. Um, they, they have camps already that they like locations that they have quasi set up. Um, and then, um, like they get permits through, through, you know, um, different wilderness associations and whatever they have permits and, and licenses to do this stuff. But yeah, they basically will, will take you out and, and take you where you want to go, you know, within, within reason. So yeah, we've, we've gone on some crazy stuff like yeah <laughs> describe one like, like uh literally going to the tops of mountains and then like, like on the edge with the horse uh-huh like eight thousand foot drop like right beside you and like yeah it's some crazy on what just like a narrow little path on yeah. the side of a cliff yeah sometimes no paths just finding your way Dude, across the top these, who are these outfitters taking it to i know i know and that that's why i do no, but, so a lot of li- research yeah. so you're you're at the side of this cliff yeah the, you're just the outfitter knows where he's going sometimes you're on a horse that you don't know hoping yeah. that it listens to you well, well i guess the, the horse is trying to save itself too uh yeah but these horses are they live out there like okay. they're they're used to this kind of stuff okay. so you're not going to take like one of our like yeah okay show okay. horses and they're try native. to do this yeah, I mean they're just used to it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean sometimes uh, you have to do a little bushwhacking or you have to get through some situations and uh, yeah, it it, it yeah, it's it definitely, can be a little crazy. It's definitely yeah. not the Mexican all inclusive resort. No, it's not. No, <laughs> it's 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 not for the faint of heart. Some of it, you're in some pretty dicey spots. Okay, yeah. let me switch gears a little bit here. Are you still drinking bulletproof coffee? Yes, I am. Actually. Okay, so if you're listening to this and you don't know what bulletproof coffee is, I, who started this first, you or me? I don't Oh, yeah. Recall. I think JP might be the one person I, that was doing I, it before. I think so, because I think I, I heard of it on uh, London Real when okay. that, and I said, oh, you, you'd probably like this podcast. I remember. Yeah. I remember. And I think it was from that. I remember somebody blindly emailed in saying, send this to Tom. I think you would like it. And it was like the Bulletproof website and it was the Bulletproof executive. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you don't know what Bulletproof Coffee is, it's basically this guy, Dave Asprey, coined this idea that existed well before him, but he kind of mixed these ingredients together where he gets like really good coffee. You put butter in it. You put about a tablespoon of grass-fed butter in it. And then you put about a tablespoon of concentrated coconut oil, sometimes referred to as MCT oil, um, which is medium chain triglycerides is kind of what MCT stands for. And this combination of the coffee and the fat prolongs the effect of the caffeine in your system and how your body metabolizes it. So the caffeine is stretched out you know, over a few hours and the fat is really satiating so that when you drink this coffee, you're not really that hungry. You know, it kind of fills you up and you, uh, you have this caffeine effect that lasts like for, for a few hours and that combination of the fats with the caffeine hits you pretty hard when you're not used to it. And I did it every day for two and a half years, hardcore, like two cups. I, at the beginning, I liked the butter so much. I was doing six tablespoons of butter. That that's the one thing I, I haven't been adding is the butter. I, I, I did it just for too many calories. It was too much. Right I did now. it for yeah. two and a half years. 
uh, like, and the, I think the first six months or year, it was two cups of coffee, six tablespoons of butter. Think about that. Six. T- you know how much six. butter I was going. That's through? like a third of a bar. Of no, a that's when bar, I was right? trying to import butter in from uh, Wegmans and Niagara Falls because we right. didn't have grass-fed butter. Yeah. Import, would, import <laughs> meaning smuggle. No, smuggle. like, no, I, I, I know all the dairy laws in Canada now. You're allowed twenty dollars, or at the time, because I haven't done it in a little bit, but you know, allowed twenty dollars of worth of dairy a person. Um, and then that gets you like four or five bars of grass-fed Kerrygold butter over the border. But then I got aggressive and I just went to Wegmans one day and I'm like in Niagara Falls and I'm like, uh, I'll just take a case. I forget how many bars are in a case, but I took a whole case of grass-fed butter. I get to the border and I have Nexus. So you have to like declare everything. Right. So they're like, uh, do, you, do you have anything to declare? And I'm like, yeah, I got some butter. And Why, I if you didn't have Nexus, you wouldn't declare it? No, I would have declared it, but you're <laughs> like, yeah, right. no, I'm not, I actually, it doesn't matter. Not like that time we were trying to get through the border with the firecrackers oh, in your yeah, car. No, no, no. <laughs> oh my God. We had firecrackers There's that were better certain than certain times you want to declare things. Yeah, okay, that, we don't have to discuss this in public. No, we declared those ones. But uh, anyway, the butter I declared and they're like, uh, she was about to wave me through. She's like, well, how much butter do you have? And I guess I had like 80 bars or something. I don't know, some obscene amount. And uh, she sends me in. I go to the guy and uh, with the receipt from Wegmans. And he's like, you know, the tax on this is like 300%. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. It's like 300% of whatever the tax was I paid, right? He's like, no, it's the, the duty on this is 300% the value of the butter. And uh, so like the butter cost me like uh, for these bars, I think it cost me, I'd spent like 150, 200 bucks. I can't remember. So I had to pay like five or $600 in duty. And I'm like, that's nuts. It was nuts. Well, yeah. it's, it, it's all, you know how Trump has been saying that we protect our dairy farmers yeah. and our dairy industry. I know all about it because yeah. of this. So I actually drove back to Wegmans and returned the butter. And when I returned the butter, because I'm like, guys, I can't spend 500, 600 bucks on just duty here. I'm so sorry. I got to return this butter. And they were so gracious. They're like, absolutely. You can return it. No problem. And they returned it. They gave me my money back. And then literally after I got my money back, she turns and says something to somebody else and throws all the butter in a garbage bin. I'm like, oh my gosh, excuse me, what'd you just do? That's perfectly good, good grass. That's great grass-fed butter. And she's like, well, you took it out of the store. Yeah. It's a product that we have to keep cool. We don't know what you did with it. We can't resell it. Yeah. And she just trashed it. My heart sunk yeah. to the ground. I drove back with like my $20 worth of butter, which is like four bars. <laughs> I, I declared it at the border and went home. But I had to buy that much butter because it's six tablespoons of butter. You, I was just going through so much butter. And my body, I guess because I hadn't eaten fat in so many years, was just loving it. Like I couldn't get enough butter. Yeah. Like my body was like craving the fat. And even though it was a lot of calories, because you ultimately, those calories were really satiating. I actually ate less calories, I'm sure, through the day. And I was like losing weight, totally. eating all that stuff. Um, and I, I don't know, it was really good for me for a couple of years. And then I think I just was going to the gym. I was, uh, th- this is when Nick was telling me, hey, you're not eating enough. I, I cut out all carbs at that time too. And the coffee and the carbs, it kind of destroyed my adrenal glands yeah. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> You're kind of downplay. See, Tom upplays the part that he wants to, then downplays the other one. That he like destroyed his adrenal glands and took him years to no, fix it. Listen to this. We're in a mastermind meeting in, Cal- in just outside LA, a really nice place. Where was that? Really good place. Um, and I met Dave Asprey. He's the bulletproof executive yeah. guy, the guy that's like yeah. promoting all this stuff. And I walk up to him. I'm like, "Hey, dude, I love your coffee. You completely destroyed my adrenal glands." Remember when I when I said that <laughs> to the guy? And he just kind of laughed it off because he had been there too. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, "Actually, don't blame me for any of this. I mean, the information's been amazing. We're Briggs supporters. We actually brought." Bulletproof coffee out to one of our events I remember. and served everybody. We yeah. served like 700 cups of Bulletproof coffee. Um, a few people claimed that they had major heart attack <laughs> situations, but, uh, but are you still drinking it or? Yeah. Uh, the, the coffee beans and then I'm touch and go on the oil. Um, but then I'll also put in, um, not for the first cup because I find the taste isn't as good, but I'll put in the collagen. Um, oh, you will. So yeah. you're going to do black coffee with. No, I'll tape. put in cream. Oh, you will. Yeah. What kind of cream? Well, it's it's like whole whole cream from a, like a health food store. That so it's it's okay. Organic, so coffee like, with whole cream and a tablespoon what? of collagen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No MCT oil anymore. Sometimes. Okay. Just sometimes. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm doing right now is I have uh, Ben Greenfield's coffee beans. That have you heard of his beans? No. Oh, I gotta tell you about them. Ben Greenfield's <laughs> beans. I have. I think his brand is Keon. Okay. The website's getkeon.com or whatever. Okay. And he has a couple of podcast episodes just talking about how, you know, the clean, how clean this coffee is. Yeah. You haven't listened to these episodes? I don't think I have. Oh, yeah. I got to show you. Yeah. It's really this guy goes deep on coffee. Anyway, I bought Ben Greenfield's coffee. And okay. I'm putting that through my espresso machine right now, which grinds it. Yeah. And I'll have Dave Asprey's brain octane oil, about a tablespoon. 
and about two espresso shots in the morning. So that's what I'm doing now. Like two espresso okay. shots yep. with Ben Greensfield's bean, yep. the, the, get Keon, the Keon brand, and uh, the Brain Octane oil from Dave Asprey. That's cool. a good mix for me. Yeah. I love it. You're Nick. You? You're, yeah, Nick, you're not drinking any. You don't coffee, drink it, right? do you? No, I don't drink any coffee. I mean, I'll have it the odd espresso after after a meal. What do you I drink just, in the morning? No, I get up and I go to the gym. Empty okay. stomach. Don't yeah. eat. Don't drink water. Get up. Put on clothes. That walk is one thing I do. Go to the first gym. thing is is chug like one of those swell bottles. The first thing I do before I even have coffee is just drink one of those, and I just find that it just helps everything just get going a lot faster. So just faster. water with anything in it, a little bit of salt or lemon or anything? No, no, just anything? water. Yeah. Huh. Well, you de- you get more dehydrated over the overnight, right? So it makes sense. Right. So. And are then you- are you still working? Remember when we, at the same time that we were both doing Bulletproof Coffee at that time, no, I guess it was before I was doing that, uh, the P90X yeah. stuff. And I think, oh yeah, this was way before because I got into that car accident and I was doing oh, P90X right. and it was making me dizzy. I still had some post-concussion symptoms and I couldn't really do it that well. Um, so yeah, this is a long time ago. So yeah. you're not care. You didn't carry on with that P90X stuff, did you? No, I, I, I did it. Um, I think right before really jumping on board here and then, yeah, okay. basically uh, that thing is so time consuming cause we followed it the was, menu and everything. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. it was all these like DVDs. Three hours a day Do they still sell like, it? I think so. I think it's changed. It's they've, they've modified now. it. and I don't know yeah. what it is either now. But if yeah. you're listening to this, you know what P90X is. It was this workout program where you put in like a DVD, which was like high intensity or something. Yeah. And you would like do these jumping jacks and push ups and stuff like yeah. this. And I remember at one point it was just too much for me. I had never worked out and I put these things in and I'm like, what the heck is this? Um, so it wasn't good. No, but, it put me in the best shape of my life and I have, I have not been that fit since. Um, but I still, I still try to do little workouts here. And so your morning routine is, are you doing anything with music daily? Not daily, unfortunately. Uh, are you still I should s- be if I was more disciplined. Wait, are I you would. still, I forgot, are you still singing? Any band stuff? Yeah, so when we do, I'll still get together with a friend of mine, uh, try to get together once a week, and we still just try to like write and record music. And then that will encompass basically programming the the you know the drums and he he does the bass and i'll do guitar and try to put some vocals and little keyboards and whatever um so it's more just like the the producing and the recording and you know just trying to make something just it's just an it's just an outlet you know a creative outlet really that's about it yeah you're a creative person i mean i can never sing i well nobody's gonna want to hear me sing nick can't sing JP sings, horseback riding, real estate <laughs> investor. Um, and any other, what's your daily schedule like? Coffee in the morning. Yeah. T- mm-hmm. So what else are you? What, what are you having for breakfast? Nothing. So just the coffee. No. Yeah, I'll I'll have a snack probably or a very light lunch, and then the main meal is is dinner, which is is uh, we've been doing that for almost a couple years now. Um, yeah, kind of. There was a there was a good chunk of time where it was just like I was just road food and like I was driving everywhere and it's nice now because I'm doing more stuff in Niagara so I have a little bit a little that's bit a more tough time. thing yeah. I yeah. end up stopping at grocery stores more than any place else now yeah because I was trying because I usually have a rough idea where a grocery store is yep. depending on where I am and most of them now have decent totally de- decent options right but other than that. That's the tough thing about when you're you're in different places all the time is, yeah. is to find decent food. What do you mean decent options? Like the hot plate you're eating from yeah. at the grocery store? Yeah, so just salads. So you what would you grab? I, I, I mean, I don't know. Whatever I feel like that day. Like you mean an example? I'm not going to get pasta, you know, yeah, but yeah, some so sort of meat and meat. salad. I, I eat more vegetables than I eat anything. Like my whole life revolves around a vegetable. I think vegetables first and then I figure out what I go with them for after. <laughs> so. I've got, well, I had uh, a whole freezer full of meat that I bought from this place called Nutrifarm. And... Um, Cause you guys buy like a cow still, or Nick or, does. I get, yeah. yeah, I get yeah. half a cow, half a cow right around this time of year. I got it a few okay. weeks ago. I get half a cow. Half of that's I, in my freezer. Okay. And then, so so yeah, this guy came to the door, it, like door to door sales, and and I was like, huh? He's like, do you want a free sample of meat? And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> so he's like, okay, well, you need an appointment. So they came back like the next day with, okay, this free sample is ground beef. I've, but, been, uh, I've been through that with, yeah. with, I don't know if the same guys or not, but I've been through the same process. Yeah. yeah. But after talking to the guy and like, he was like, we, we just hit it off. And, uh, you know, he, he was like listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. We were just talking about all this like different stuff. And, uh, yeah, I bought like $3,800 worth of meat for like the year and filled up like an entire Holy freezer. Shit, dude. You bought more than a cow. Yeah, well, yeah, not just beef. So there's like chicken and 
pork and fish and whatever and some vegetables and it's all organic all free range even like the chickens they're not like they, they're like pasture raised in those pens and they move them around and so and you know the meat is excellent excellent there it's, is a difference yeah. there's there's a a, a a significant difference between the stuff that i get in like the typical grocery store stuff oh yeah like even and my kids have even noticed it my wife who was not a believer in it at all she once we had it she's like well I, this it, it's even hard to um to overcook because it's so juicy yeah. like you really got to try to overcook the stuff to make it like a dry steak yep. or something you really kind of got to do a really bad job but yeah it's made a i i, I love i love the process i'd never i'd like I hope I never have to change that. I I get it directly from a farm up in the um, St. Jacobs area. So okay. I've been yep. up to the farm, visited yep. the farmer, saw the cows, said hi, I'm going to eat you later. Yeah, you know, and uh, saw the chickens running around and yep. like a real hen house running around. Like yep. it was cool. The only problem with it is still you don't know. Like so, I went to the farm, but you don't know if this guy is that's the cows that I'm getting from there. He could be getting it from some other guy somewhere else. So sure. you still got to put your trust someplace. Unfortunately, but I just yeah. decided to do that. Right. But I've been through that process. It's a good process that they have there. And I remember even the meat. I don't know if it was the same exact same company or yeah. not, but the sample I got um, was very comparable to the stuff that I get from the farm. It, it yeah. definitely wasn't in, in my eyes. It definitely wasn't the standard grocery store stuff that, oh, that, no. that we used to get. No, I mean, you, it's night and day. Yeah. And and like the ribeye is unbelievable. But they're located, I think, just south of Collingwood. And for for farms it's a big one it's like 2000 acres in ontario that's a big farm like you don't get that kind of property uh in this area that yeah often. and you're always looking at rural properties and stuff so like what is it that you you like working with people who are going no i know you work with investors all over the place all over the golden horseshoe and stuff but you do have like a special place in your heart for rural properties as well and is that like just a home on acreage or are we talking horse farms? Like, what is it? Uh, yeah, it could be any any sort of rural uh, property, like a rural real estate property. So it could be a horse farm. But I mean, you know, the, there's not a ton of, of horse farms that are sold yearly. But but just people that are want to be kind of, I guess, more connected or, or outside of the city. I just enjoy that space a little bit more than being in the city. Uh, and obviously, just always being with the horses is just kind of... I'm just comfortable there and I but I also I'm I really love the idea of like people that are are passionate about the land and and then also being stewards of that land and making it better and improving it and then you know yeah just just being it more of a lifestyle so is there like a thing. check like if someone comes to you and say, oh, says all right jp i wouldn't mind some you know i want some rural country land is there a check like how do you walk people through or do they come to you already knowing like hey man here's what we want you know what it, it probably starts like any transaction and that's budget and then you kind of go okay from budget then you can kind of look at okay where can we get what you're looking for and then you have to kind of like hack away at all the all the wants and until you get to reality unless that's like unlimited but of course yeah yeah that's so, not the case. so like rural rural properties for you now in the golden horseshoe area where would you be looking niagara uh yeah niagara um halton hills yeah so guelph Caledon area hills. around guelph yeah like there, there's a lot of good stuff and and i'm i'm kind of more drawn to the stuff where there's a little bit of landscape um when you get further sort of west and it's just flat farmland i'm not so drawn to that but stuff to where you can like have a kind of a nice view and and uh have some woods where, uh, and like, so where are the good price point opportunities right now do you feel is it niagara niagara's got to be cheaper than halton hills no oh by far yeah okay. yeah for yeah. sure um but yeah, halton hills is arguably more more attractive beautiful from a, just yeah. you're right on the escarpment yeah. there. there there's a couple spots in niagara that are really really nice um and there's so actually, halton hills if you're listening to this just north of milton ontario that's what we're talking about mm -hmm. like yeah. if you just follow the escarpment like basically east of guelph all the way across you know all the way across to basically stoville that whole whole swath across the top of toronto all the way up to collingwood barry um you know if you've ever driven uh, to Collingwood, but not gone on the 400 and gone up like kind of through Cremor. And, you know, you have the escarpment to the West and all that country to the East. Um, it's all that beautiful rolling Hills with huge valleys. Kind of like yeah. if you go up like airport road to blue mountain, Absolutely. that, that, yeah. that whole totally. area. Yeah. Yeah. So like if I had a million bucks and I wanted to, that was my budget. Can I get anything halfway from Toronto up airport road to Collingwood? Oh, you could get something. What could I get? 
Oh, you're not going to get probably more than... You got than, me all excited, and now you just... The first words out of your mouth, you're you not going to get it. You, no, no, You're no, basically it, not going to get it, anything for your million there, bucks. There's, the like, they're so limited Okay, available. two million. Two million. What can I get? Two million. Can I get a house on some land? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. You're going to get a house. That's where most of the value is going to come from, and it just depends on on how much land you actually want, how okay, many acres you actually want. Halfway between here and Collingwood, $2 million. And halfway between here and yeah, Collingwood? Yeah. Oh, two million. Yeah, I mean. I can get a house on how much land? Probably less than 10 acres. Huh. Yeah. Do I get a you barn? You got to go do further out if do you I want Do I get a more? barn? Maybe. Okay. Actually, I would. <laughs> further out, so where? where? So check this out. Uh, do, you guys, uh, do, you guys, do you guys ever watch uh, like any of the Vice stuff? I'm not like a huge Vice fan, yeah, but there's this one guy, Matty only- Matheson. I was just, <laughs> he's like this crazy chef from Fort Erie, but he, he's got like this show, these different shows. One's called uh, Keep It Canada and another one. Anyway, they're hilarious. It's really funny, but I just found out he bought a little uh, a little property just, uh, I, should I be saying this? I don't uh, care. Okay. Uh, west what are you of gonna say? Fort Erie. Okay. Uh, and uh, I was just kind of, checking out um you know what he paid for it yeah, so okay. just curious you know <laughs> how many acres you're doing the classic kgb work <laughs> totally. in real estate as I the diligent just, real estate professional you are i'm like well what does a guy like that yeah. buy well now those how the, much now you know? the sold, sold data is going to be everywhere anyway i mean look it's, it is public record you can go yep. look you can go pull it from the registry office yeah. anywhere and now with the new tribunal ruling, nick and i used to go to a title offices yeah. and what did we have to pay eight bucks or something, something to pull, cheap but you could pull we could pull title on like anything yeah so, I mean, I don't know if you give the exact price, but, you know, uh, I think he had about, it was about seven acres on this property okay. here. And, uh, you know, it was well under a million. Okay, cool. So, but, okay. you know, it had a barn and this little greenhouse thing. And it yeah, was a cool go, property. Tom. Go that way. Don't yeah, go up north. That's great. So, where's that? What area is that? Fort Erie area? It, uh, yeah, between I think east of Port Colborne, kind of just north of Crystal okay, Beach. But yeah. you don't like that area. You like Halton Hills more just because it's more scenic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah, that area like, is yeah. more flat. I think right? I would yeah. rather yeah. be in that Halton Hills area. Oak Ridges, Oak yeah. Ridges Moraine, and yeah, all yeah, that yeah, up there. Yeah. I mean, it's all. I mean, that's why it's so expensive. I mean, it's beautiful. That's the thing about the, the rural properties is everyone, all the places that are really stunning. Well, that eventually they're going to get scooped up by the people that have money because people want the beauty yeah, and so they'll pay for it yeah. yeah um what about with you know we talked about all this stuff we didn't talk about actually where you're helping investors right now mm-hmm. i'm just curious we yeah. should probably throw that out there where are you working because we used to make fun of you in a good good-hearted way <laughs> that you we were pulling you all the way from st Catharines, where you live to our office in burlington at the time now we're in oakville um and we were doing a lot of stuff in hamilton and kitchener and barry which we still are but then st Catharines kind of got a name for itself yeah. and all of a sudden you weren't driving to us anymore we were all driving to you are you uh i know you help people pretty much everywhere yep um st Catharines is still something that's hot right now definitely okay what yeah. uh, so what parts of st Catharines can you get so for those people listening who don't know st Catharines well is there a kind of like a little bit you can break it down for us yeah south end is uh typically kind of uh more um where you would find like student rentals um because okay. it's a little closer to brock university um but but the vast majority i would say of of what we all do here is going to be in the north end Okay. Um, which is north of the QEW to Lake Ontario. Okay, so north and for single-family homes to rent out as a single-family yeah. or duplex it out as a second suite. Yeah, because basically, so the history of St. Catharines is post-World War II, they had two GM plants sprung up. So, I mean, it was just like post-war boom. So you have this huge area, kind of like southwest Oakville, similar to those kind of yeah, homes, yeah. big lots, big trees, bungalows, back splits, side splits. Yeah, I love those 50 areas. 50-foot yeah. by 120-foot lots. Those are perfect for secondary suite conversions. So uh, what's what's good about those houses, and not to knock Hamilton, but if you want something that has eleven to 1,200 square feet, you pay for it more in Hamilton because typically those wartime homes in, Hamilton's, in Hamilton are probably like 1,000, but you really, that extra couple hundred square feet makes a huge difference in the basement, which is typically where you sure, have to, yeah. yeah. Um, and how much are you spending for something like that in St. Catharines right now? 450 uh five. oh for for uh, turnkey uh sure okay oh, yeah. yeah yeah uh you're looking at um well really anywhere between kind of 400 and 450 depending okay. yeah 400 and 450 yeah 
I mean, I, I'm a little bit, maybe a little bit more conservative. So I, you know, maybe you could push that over the 450. I know we were chatting about this, but, um, and then for something that you're going to do a conversion on, you're looking at, you know, kind of 350, if you get really lucky, uh, if it's really kind of, you know, tired and needs a lot of work, but you know, up to about 380, generally you can, you can get something for a, for a secondary suite conversion. Yeah. And the price point, do you remember just a few years ago, we were doing stuff in St. Catharines at like 275, 275 yeah. to 300. Yeah. Now it's 400, 450 or mm -hmm. 475. Mm -hmm. Well, the prices of St. Catherine didn't move for quite ever. a long time, yeah. right? Yeah. Like they they were, you know, and then it was when the money started going from Toronto to these other areas. So into places like Hamilton that started changing affordability trends in Hamilton. Yeah. That then a lot of people, not just from Hamilton, but but you know from a, a larger population base, started looking at these other areas, saying, "Well, look, if I'm working in Hamilton, why am I going to pay the prices here? I can go out to these other areas yeah. and still work and drive around that area, whether it's Brantford or Hamilton, or they're working wherever. Maybe they're working in St. Catharines too. More money kind of flooded out those areas, going to the St. Catharines way. And and where you actually noticed it really early on was the South End, where uh, all the investors that were getting kind of Pushed out of Hamilton? Well, pushed out of Hamilton around the student rentals because they were getting so expensive. They all blew down to Brock and now it's kind of saturated. There's just so much inventory for the kids to choose from. So it can be a little bit of a struggle to... You the know, funny you, part is that how people think Hamilton, I mean, we've been in Hamilton, we've been doing stuff in Hamilton for, I don't know, 10, 15 years now. Mm -hmm. And now people, there's two kinds of people. Some people will come to Hamilton, they'll discover Hamilton now if they're from Toronto and they'll think, oh my God, it's such a good yeah. buy because in Toronto, I'm spending like a million dollars for nothing. In yeah. Hamilton, I can spend half of that and get something. Yeah. And then you have the crowd that's been in Hamilton for the last 10 years and says, screw it. This place is too expensive because I I remember when I could buy a fully detached home on the Hamilton Mountain for like 235 thousand bucks and now it's like five hundred thousand it's overpriced i'm out of here and then you, when we meet those people we never know which people we're dealing with are we dealing with the toronto guy who thinks it's a deal yeah or the guy from like burlington who's used to hamilton and just think it's overpriced like everything is there's so much perspective involved in real estate investing it's completely ridiculous but that whole area st Catharines to hamilton to brantford to even up to cambridge kitchener waterloo guelph that kind of whole area is to me just still an absolute gold mine because everyone's getting pushed this way. Mm -hmm. It's still continuing. You know, one area we've never really done a lot in, which is a great little area is Orangeville. We've never done a lot in Orangeville. I think I went out there a, I, I a couple like, times, but uh, yeah, you're right. It's just but it, we, we did do a little but, bit. We just didn't have investors in that area yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's a great little spot. It is. Yeah, but it's shot up too, right? I know. So it's, I know. Every yeah. time I drive through there, I'm like, why are we not doing more up here in Orangeville? But uh, we could be close to your farms. So uh, um, where where uh, you started a web? Did Amy start a website for rural properties and stuff? Yeah, yeah. What, what's the URL? If so, someone... it's called uh, LandEntitled.ca, and um, yeah, basically you can search rural properties on there. Uh, it's got a bunch of information on. on and we bring up Amy's name a lot. Who's Amy? Just... Sorry, Amy is my longtime girlfriend and, and partner. So, uh, and you know, she has her license and. And, and works with me. So, so landandtitle.landandtitle.ca. Yeah. And then that's, uh, you guys are feeding in rural properties on that website. Correct. Yeah. It's it's specific to country homes, rural properties, equestrian properties. Yeah. Got it. And yeah. then the number one strategy with investors who are not doing rural stuff, who mm -hmm. are actually buying income properties, what's your number one thing right now? If I had to pick, I know you're doing pretty much a, a lot of everything, but what, what's what's one of the cookie cutter ones right now? You know what? This just is probably student rentals and single family homes, and then more lately have been the the secondary suites or trying to find duplexes. And are you doing stuff in London recently? Mm -hmm. You were out in London a lot. You're still Tons. doing stuff in yeah. London. Yeah. Student rentals and regular rentals in London. Uh, I would say for the most part the student rentals, just because people that want to do single family homes, there's just not that many because generally the people that want to do single family homes, they're not from London. So it, there's, it doesn't make sense for them to go do it out there. Um, they want something a little bit closer, but because London is still very good for student rentals, at least for now, but I can, I can see that also starting to for Western, to are you focusing Western on Western? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And not, what is it? Fanshawe? Fan, Fanshawe. Fanshawe College. Yeah. Fanshawe College. Yeah. Okay. And Woodstock, anything in Woodstock or no? Um, not too much yet. No, we seem to skip over. What, yeah, we we do you know, stuff in Brantford and London, but we don't do too much. Yeah, and KWC. So we're all around. We're all around Woodstock. Three points around it. And, and I feel like Woodstock is such a great position 
being where it is, you know, it's right I think at so the crux too. of the 401 and yeah. the 403. And but we kind of skip over just, You know what? Yeah. The, the challenge is there's a lot of different areas and depending yeah. on what yeah. the investors are looking for, That's we'll share. Because yeah. we have, and like, Brantford Brantford you might not have so done, good. but other people here have done more in Woodstock. Totally. Not a ton, yeah, but, yeah. But, but there have been yeah. some yeah. things, but it's just kind of what people are looking for and, you know, depending yeah. on, like you said, there's, if they, depending on what the investors, where they're from, they might not want to go to London where some of them are like, I want to, I want to go to London because it'll force me never to go to the property and just let the property manager deal with everything. Yeah. Right. So, yep. Cool. JP, thanks for chatting, man. No so, um, yeah, we'll have you back and we'll bring Amy back too to chat some more cool. about both of you guys together. Cool. cool. Thanks, dude. Okay. See ya. See ya. Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza. So hopefully you enjoyed that episode with John Paul Gulbis, uh, great guy. Um, we'll definitely be bringing him back on, talking some more real estate stuff. And in the meantime, if you want that destruction of the middle class report, you can get it at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash no more middle. That's the report where we map, up, map out income levels against property prices, just so that we can see the widening gap that's happening between the income you can earn in this country on average and property prices. We, dis, we refer to that as the destruction of the middle class we feel like it's really good information that is at least everyone should be aware of what's happening so if you want some of that data for yourself or to share with somebody you can get that report at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash no more middle thanks for all the feedback on the podcast keep it coming if you want to email us email podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com that will get through to us thanks for all the feedback on itunes if you haven't had a chance to give us a rating yet we would really appreciate that that thank you very much and i think that's it for this episode until next time your life, your terms.